Welcome back to another episode of Create Your Life with your host, Tessa Lloyd. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we meet today, the Wadarong people of the Wadarong Aboriginal Corporation, and pay my respects to Elders past and present. Welcome back to Create Your Life. Today we're having a chat to Madison Hewitt, who is a Queensland girl and is very open and transparent about her life and the experiences that she's had and is also uh, blazing a trail for change and breaking down stereotypes at the moment. So I'm quite in awe of the work Madison does and the way that she shows up in the world and I'm pretty excited to be able to share her with you guys. I will say that this, and I'm sure Maddie will dive into this, but this comes with um, a bit of a warning that we'll be discussing themes of sexual assault and mental health and trauma. So um, if, if this is something that you want to turn off now, then now is a good time to do it because I understand that these themes can bring up things for people and I think it's important to acknowledge that. So... I am wondering, Maddie, welcome first, gorgeous girl. I'm wondering if you can dive into uh, your background and tell us a little bit more about you and your mental health experiences. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this goes as a trigger warning um, because it's in regards to um, sexual assault when I was quite young. Mm -hmm. So um, I just thought I'd put a disclaimer out for anyone listening. Um, as to be told, but um, I I think I grew up as you know trauma didn't so much shape me. I definitely grew up, you know, a very charismatic child. Um, mm. you know, I was my mum is just the most out there hilarious person, and mm. I'm definitely cut from the same cloth as her. <laughs> so, well, um, you know, being with like a in a loving household and from a loving home and mm. and when I think it was at the turning point for me, I was 14 years old and I went to a Catholic school. Yeah. Now, before all that, I, all I did growing up was hang out with the boys. Mm. I was always in boys clothes. I used to wear teddy bear boxer shorts under my shorts, <laughs> like the boys at the silky ones, yeah. you know, yeah. I played sport with the boys, you know, even when I have a twin sister, she would go and do dance routines with the girls. And I was like, Oh no. And I'd be with the boys doing, I've always just been, um, had quite a tomboyish thing about me just growing up. And then I remember when I was in high school, I started watching like the OC and like, I'd, I'd start seeing lesbians on TV and. Oh my L- God, that scene. Yeah. With <laughs> and I remember my room watching it and I, they kissed on the beach and I was like, <gasps> and I remember being- Oh no! And like, looked around in case anyone was watching, and then I would <laughs> watch it again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Why do I feel this way? Why do I do this?" And then <laughs> I started seeing more lesbians and um, on television, and I was like, "Oh!" 
and I was quite open and I went to my friends at school. I think I like girls because even prior to seeing the OC, you know, we used to kiss me and my friends for the boys on webcam and to like (laughs) attention from boys. And I think I forgot the webcam was really there. Yeah. You're like, this is the shit. Thank you boys for setting this up. Yeah, totally. Um, So I did. And I just came out to my friends just on a whim. I didn't even like really go, Oh no. And made myself nervous. I just said it. Yeah. And they were really, um, my friends were like, Oh, awesome. 14 year old girls, you know, and this was 12 years ago. Yeah. And was that a bit of a different landscape then as opposed to someone coming out now, would you think? Um, yeah, I think, look, it's tough for anyone who's coming out, mm. you know, because uh, you don't just come out to anyone. Mm. You're coming out to your parents who have got an old school mentality, you know, mm. different morals, beliefs, everyone's different, you know. It's definitely, we've got a long way to go as far as acceptance, but mm. we have evolved. Mm. So I guess it's just circumstantial. Mm. I was blessed enough to have a group of friends who were just larrikin big drinking 14 yards like we 14 year olds yeah we would just drink the cruises we were fine um but yeah so i came out to them and they were fine and i went to a party Mm. and with the girls and there was always older guys there and we were drunk and i remember i was drinking passion pop such a cliche and (laughs) i'm vomiting in the backyard because I was that wasted, but I didn't want anyone to see because I was embarrassed that I was so drunk. Mm. And I went and then my friends or whatever, I went left and I left with a group of guys and they were older. And one of them I knew, and I guess that we were walking to a bus stop and they were taunting me and they pulled me behind the back of a house and I was gang raped for being gay. Like, you know, and they just sort of said it was very much like, you know, you don't, you don't know, like, you don't know what you are, like, Mm. basically doing the whole, you haven't had the right dude um, type of thing. And I, they were just taunting me because that doing, and I don't think they really realized the damage that they were doing because I was pretty much incoherent mm. and if I was 14 these guys are 17 to 18 mm. um you know and I couldn't even stand up and I don't think they really realize how violent they were being mm. um but yeah it was definitely a like a hate crime mm. towards my sexuality um and it was definitely my sexuality that made them feel uncomfortable that they needed to express their masculinity in front of their friends yeah. um, and they left me there and I had to find my own way home. I didn't know what had happened. I was 14, you know, um, I was tricked. I was mortified. I was beside myself. And I remember I went back to my friend's house afterwards and I just hid in her room yeah. for days. And this was during like a school holiday period. And I went home to my parents and it took me ages to tell my parents, yeah. but I was so um yeah I was just so as a kid just so confused and then I actually came out to my mum later on I didn't hadn't told them about the assault yet but I came out to my mum later on and I said to mum I think that I'm gay Mm. um 
And then she was very confused because I don't, at that stage, I didn't think she knew, thought I knew what I was or had, I was young and to just label myself so gay, Mm. just kind of maybe just grow up and just like, see, just don't put a label on yourself Mm. just yet, you know, and that, and she said it in the best intentions possible. But she didn't want me to label myself. And I told my dad and my dad was just like, woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gay. I've always wanted a son. Like <laughs> this is sort of backwards way, a backhanded way of speaking to yeah. someone yeah. who is queer, but um, he had again, great intentions. And mm-hmm. I, I remember I just was acting out and I, then I told my family, um, my mom and my dad that I was assaulted mm. and I watched my dad's heartbreak in front of me and then I watched my mum break in front of me and then I they started to then question the credibility behind my coming out mm-hmm. was it because I was gay that I was raped or was I raped because I like you know and vice versa mm-hmm. was I only saying that because I was raped yeah and I'm afraid of men mm-hmm. um you know but in actual fact it happened because I said I was gay to a group of men and, well, and that's something that um, is uh, like I have heard before and I get asked all the time, am I attracted to women because a man hurt me? Like mm. it has fucking nothing to do with a man. That's the whole point. Um, yeah. And it's such a common thing that, oh God, if you're going for, it's like women are these sloppy seconds. Like oh, if you're really interested in women, it's got to be because of a man. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's it. And I had to then not only deal with trauma, Mm-hmm. Um, but I was constantly arguing my sexuality as a child. I think the more downhill I got from the trauma and more isolated and the more drugs I was taking and mm-hmm. trying to give myself like this permanent amnesia mm-hmm. to the trauma I dealt with. Mm-hmm. I think for me, um, people stop asking, but telling me, yeah. you're not gay. <laughs> it stopped being a question. Oh, yeah. Are you gay? This? No, you're just not gay. Right. And I was like, fuck what am I like mm. I would start sleeping with boys mm. and I started doing that. um and I hated it I was miserable mm. I felt I just felt so not myself and I was like well I guess this is what I have to do and it was just to me I was miserable mm. and because I was like, oh, well, I'm not gay. But at that point, I'd been intimate with females. And I knew I liked it, but I was just so drilled in my head. I wasn't gay. I it started like such a continuous time, Maddie, like with mm. like just looking from the outside in, like with no time to take a breath of air and go, okay, it's just like this real snowball of things that kept happening. Yeah, I was, I was at a point where I couldn't be helped. Mm. Um, and the only people that helped me were my queer friends that understood me and gave me credit for feeling and being the way I was. Mm. And I just wanted people to love me for who I was. And I was constantly told that I wasn't really anyone. Mm. I was just a product of trauma. Mm. What was I, the point where you got to where you were able to talk about your mental health and where you were... Um, I guess really given some answers for what was going on like at what point did it uh, it not end but at what point did it stop and were you supported I actually met my 
partner long after a girl who I felt madly in love with Mm. and she sort of she had no idea um and she kind of set me on the right track and I moved in with her and Mm. she just was just not she just had such like a cool style about her Mm. so everything she had the best heart and she just loved me for me and Mm. I just wanted to be great for her Mm. and together for four years and we ended up living with her mom and her younger sisters and they showed me how to do dishes properly Mm. and how to be domesticated and how to spend a Sunday out in a waterfall somewhere rather than coming off down off drugs Mm. surrounding drag queens in your apartment you know Mm. and it showed they showed me like it's like nearly that they handed me my childhood again that I was Mm. robbed from Mm. letting me have like all these experiences and it made me just want to do better and I know my her mom at the time she didn't have like a glamorous job but she did any everything she did she did with integrity yeah and I idolized the fuck out of her for it Mm. and it made me really open my eyes to say that hard work pays off and that that's when I started having conversations about my mental health um and really unpeeling the banana (laughs) (laughs) it is a banana isn't it yeah Yeah. (laughs) and I felt heard yeah understood um and I kept wanting to have conversations and getting the whole, you know, getting told by an adult female woman that I was, of course you're gay. Mm. It doesn't matter what you went through, you're gay. And I was like, mm. oh, and those words that I, it was just, to me, it, her and her family changed my life. I hope you don't mind me saying, but I, you're so open about um, having borderline personality disorder on social media. And I, I love the way you bring such a human side to everything and especially this like the way that you speak about it is you know um someone with bpd in love is that you know you they will give you their entire heart and i think there's yeah. a quote you know in eat, i don't know if you've seen eat pray love with julia roberts but it's like you have my my heart my dog my dog's my money my dog's money and it's like take the lot you know i will become what is it i'm the permeable permeable membrane and it really reminds me of that like it's uh such an intensity there and that brought such an awareness for me of what it can feel like and I was actually just wondering if if there's anything that you could like for anyone listening if you were to tell someone something about borderline personality disorder or what it's like to have it like what would you say what would you want people to know I think, um, you know what really triggered me the most about really normalizing this disorder Mm. is someone, and I wrote this on a caption once, someone wrote core values of borderline personality disorder Mm. is that they lie lie for self-gain. Someone actually wrote that on my photo. Mm. And it was someone who was actually friends with my ex who was bitter and had Something, I don't know, she was just trying to be hurtful, but that's how she chose to try and hurt me. Mm. And I was fucking livid Mm. by that comment because that is just so 
something that anyone who suffers from BPD goes through on a day-to-day basis. Mm. They have their credibility fucking stripped from them entirely. Mm. And they are labeled as a psycho or or anything like that. And to me, I was like, oh, that is just garbage because I, for one, don't take shit from anyone or I don't feel the need to lie to gain anything. So the fact that this is what you're going to like, you feed a stigma and it's still going on. It really upset me. So I and think that was scary of the stigma, Maddie, with regards to yeah. BPD. Yeah. Yeah. People just think um, mental illness comes with people who lie. Mm. Um, you know, it's kind of nearly, you know, you're getting labeled as on the verge of a criminal. What well, you know, and you, you just lie or, you know, you can have doormat written on your forehead mm. because, you know, or get called things like needy or she's got daddy issues or, you know, there's different labels that are given to people who have BPD. Mm. Um, and for someone like me, I'm like, yeah, I have abandonment issues. Mm. Uh, big time, you know when I find myself in relationships, I struggle to leave them. Mm. Even though if I have to, and I know deep down inside that I need to, Mm. I can't because I just desperately want someone to love me. I think the two people that find themselves in these toxic relationships with people with BPD, I know for speaking on my experiences, Mm. like I'm a very forward person when it comes to my feelings. Mm. I'm very complimentary. Like I make sure that person that I'm interested or know or I'm invested in knows how amazing they are Mm. because I put them on an emotional pedestal straight away. That's what we do when we have BPD. We see someone who gives us this attention and they indicate that they want to be with us or they love us. And, you know, um, we immediately put them on the top shelf. Mm. We do it naturally and subconsciously when you have BPD, you meet people because you, you already have like, this preconception of the kind of love that you want Mm. when, you you know, when you've been abandoned and you have this disorder, you know, the love you want. Mm. So when someone comes into your life and they show you like an emotional connection, you immediately put them on the top shelf that they're going to give you that life that you want and that, you know, you want, they're going to be the person. Um, And then because they understand you and they'll see things within you that, you know, you value and they tell you that you're, amazing and they tell you you're beautiful and they tell you they understand you and so you put them on the top shelf and when they start to um not show you the love that you know you want Mm. you start actually still devalue them Mm. and you resent them because they aren't what you thought they were or what you wanted them to be and you start to resent them but you can't leave them Mm. so you're constantly work with that maddie like how do you Cause I can hear so much self-awareness and I love it. And it's such an empowering thing, right? To be like, fuck, I know my Achilles heel. I know, <laughs> I know yeah. my patterns, but yeah. now that you know your patterns, like how do you work with that? Cause you mentioned before you're seeing someone new, like are you, I just imagine I was saying to my friend the other day, I want a big scroll in my, re- in my lounge room of my red flags. Like, yeah. um, like non-negotiables. Nope. If you're not doing this, this and this, then I'm sorry, but it's just not the right time or whatever. Are you so aware that it's something that won't happen again? Or is it something that you will, you've, you're just learning to navigate at the moment that, okay, I, I have this tendency to put them on this pedestal. How do I work with that? And how do I not let it kind of be my own doing? 
I think I, I what I do as when I meet someone new now is I just take every day as it comes and get to know aspects of them um, bit by bit. I think I'm now have formed an attraction to people who I know uh, have good insights and big hearts and, you know, I, I'm really enjoying this time now through COVID where everything's not as accessible where you actually now have to utilize the time to actually just have conversations over the phone with people and really get to know them mm-hmm. without being um, easy habits, like spending every day together, Yeah, uh, you know, being into the space all the time. And, you know, it's really forcing people at the moment to just, just sit and have conversations over the phone and the really, phone, right? um, yeah, unpacking and dissecting people. Yeah. And then before you actually, it's like you're trying before you're buying essentially mm-hmm. when you're meeting now. So, um, you know, we're also on the internet mm. now. That's just app. like, you know, you and I are talking now, we're through the phone. Mm. And I think for me, I, I think it's shown me that I really need to start getting to know people from start to finish yeah. before I really invest in them entirely. And that's by even scheduling a routine. Okay. Three nights a week or four nights a week, you're in your own bed by yourself, bitch. Like that is it. <laughs> because you need that. Yeah. You need um yeah. so you know giving yourself those boundaries and saying no like this is what you need for yourself mm-hmm. at this time otherwise you're not gonna show success in a future relationship mm-hmm. is so i think setting boundaries for yourself mm-hmm. is important so you mm-hmm. can be more self-aware mm-hmm. so you can have more time to sit and reflect because it's um a big trait in bpd to be impulsive mm-hmm. so when you find that person you want to be impulsive blah 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 blah, blah. but when you choose to actually take time to go give yourself a 24 hour turnaround for the thoughts that you're having mm. and self reflect on them in 24 hours and see if you still agree mm. and give yourself time to be able to do that. It makes all the difference. And you know, your growth with meeting new people. Yeah. It's, it's important as well to have your own things uh, to help you be able to achieve that. Mm. You know, at the house, like a prison going, no, this is my like prison time. Yeah. You know, do, it's so important. You need to do things that are, truly um your own like for me fitness is mine like mm-hmm. i have such a routine of going and training alone i mm-hmm. i've never trained with a partner before i don't tend to either yeah. um competitive nature of it all like I, I, <laughs> i'm still a capricorn but i <laughs> can't deal with that so no. i know that you know it's important for me to be alone and train alone and i i picked up that thing that i do for me Mm-hmm. And that helps me, you know, fill the gap within that time to do some self-reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously a few times now I've like for facts painted some stuff and I just use that time to just do me and mm-hmm. paint, you know, you've got to fill in that time doing things that make you happy solely. Yeah. Um, and it's easier said than done, but you, you truly need to have those um, parts of yourself that you only you do because you find out so much about yourself by doing mm-hmm. that. That's your identity that you're living you're not living through anyone else. It's no. you. It's you. So, At the end of the day, when you put your head on the pillow, who are you without them or without, yeah. the, without the money? That's, that's the question, isn't it? Who are you without the job? Who are you without that person? You. Um, it's a real building process, isn't it? Like I'm running an online mental health program at the moment a lot of women are like I feel like I'm building myself when I started this there's an exercise, you know, what are your skills and what are your interests? So many women couldn't answer that question. Like, yeah. 
fuck, what do I actually like to do when it's not with someone else? When it's, you know, cold and raining outside and I'm home alone, what brings me joy? So many couldn't answer that question. I think that's quite common. Yeah, it's it's actually unbelievable. And I think a lot of people will find during self-isolating, um, you know, that they've managed to find little things that they quite enjoy doing. Yeah. Little yeah. parts of their routine and yeah. their day and like little hobbies that they can do on their own. I think it's so important. So how have you found isolation then? Because I know that um, just from watching the outside in, there have been some things come up for you during this time. So, yeah, how have you found that? I was, that I was really suffering. Yeah. <laughs> like truly, truly suffering. I, you know, and it's, this is a time in my life I want to forget. Like, I don't think I've um, gone through so much loss. My body just didn't want to accept the grieving of the losses I was having. Um, which, yeah, it, it was so painful um, for me to, like, there, there's just, like, I guess the quickest summary is when I lost my job, a lot of people lost their jobs over COVID. Um, they still are um, currently. And to, I sympathise with everyone for um, losing their employment because it's hard. Your livelihood's, like, taken from you. And, you know, if you work towards a certain stage or level within your career, or you just absolutely just fucking lost your job and then you lost it. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was heartbreaking for everyone, but I had such, I guess, a sense of pride in my employment because I had come from such a hard upbringing. Like I worked really hard to get where I was, um, in my career and I was in a place in my career where I was proving so many people wrong because I think the people in my life who watched me grow up didn't think I was going to make anything of myself and it was sort of a big fuck you in your face to them because I loved my job Mm. I was well respected and I worked really hard so I had such a point to prove and when it was taken from me I took like so many steps backwards and that and then I soon realized that my job to me was actually my worth yeah yeah, and, part of your identity. Absolutely. And I, I allowed myself to feel that way. And when I reflected throughout that time, even now, I'm like, I for years held myself to my job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't see, I didn't hold like much space for worth in other areas. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I, and it showed me in my relationship as well. Like, obviously I was with Tash. Yeah. Um, you know, and whether she listens to this or not, I'm sure she doesn't mind me speaking on this, but um, I know, you know, um, watching, like, for, I guess for me, when I was with her, you know, she was on a, in the, the public eye at the time, being on a television show. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously I was in the media with her. And mm-hmm. I think to me, you know, I started to lose sight in feeling like I was good enough. Yeah. Uh, you know, and when I thought about variables in me that would feel like people would think I'm enough for her is my job as well. Mm-hmm. So when I lost my job during my relationship, that to me made me then start to think, oh, my, my girlfriend's not going to find me as desirable. Mm. And I lost confidence in my relationship as well, mm. um, which then fell to shit <laughs> for many other reasons. But um, yeah, I think for me that was that it, it just happened in one day. Yeah, 
And I kind of was watching people around me losing their jobs, thinking surely that wouldn't, wouldn't be me. Mm. And then I got a phone call and was like, oh, and it just went downhill from there. And then the gym, my gym got canceled and we're like, we're not doing gyms anymore and, or sessions anymore. And I was like, oh, you know, and I really freaked out mm. <laughs> massively. <laughs> but I do live in a bit of an epicenter for mm. people who are quite popular on Instagram for materialistic reasons or superficial reasons. And that's great, you know, power to them. But what is that saying to people, you know, that's an unrealistic standard of, mm-hmm. of beauty or, you know, lifestyle and anything. And to be honest, during a time like COVID, it's making people feel worse than they already do because yeah, it's so comparison. easy to compare yourself um, to these people. And it's quite, um, you know, if you're successful and you want to flaunt it, by all means, mm-hmm. but it's really good for someone, you know, like myself to be available for people to be like, don't look at that. Don't listen to that. You know, no one, no one has their shit together. And a lot of the yeah. people who we're aspiring to and comparing ourselves to have all of their own shit to this. They're like, it really does bring this need to be really discerning with how we are on social media in really going, okay, well, do I actually know them and do I actually know what's going on behind the scenes? Cause we don't know if they're going to bed crying. Cause we all do it. Like we all edit our photos. We all yeah. want to tweak up a bit and we all love a bit of validation um, mm. from people we don't know, mm. but there has to come a duty of care yeah. where you have to think of what you're putting out in the world and what it's doing to the others. If you yeah. want to be on or have a platform, it's fucking integral. Um, yeah. To get real. Which is why I have asked you on here in the first place, Maddie, because a big part of, so I want to be super intentional with how I run this podcast, have people on who are being super authentic and super brave. And when I was thinking about people who are very true um, in who they are to the point of, you know, you saying, look, do you really want me on there? Because I'm probably going to say fuck. And I was (laughs) like, That is so okay because that's exactly what I want on these podcasts is people being real because, yeah, I did a big uh, spiel about it the other day in that the compar- like comparisons are just stealing so much joy. We're all in our own lane and if we could stay in that lane a little bit more and be a bit true and, and I remember, I think this was cut off before we started recording, I just remember your moment where you were like, I'm having such a shit time. It's been a really shit time. And I think those conversations are so important, especially when we know how, what a rough time people are having with their mental health at the moment. Like, uh, yeah, we're all, we're, we're all in this together, but I know how it feels to just watch someone and go, thank God, you know, I'm not the only one. It gives you more self-validation to know that, you know, you're not sitting there miserable and everyone else is out there happy and um living their best life and you're just this emotional cripple that's hiding in your bedroom no 80 percent of us are i was going to say before what's what helped pull you out of that manic state but i guess i haven't even really asked where you are at the moment mental health wise because it does really feel like a little bit of calm after the storm i think what i've like you know started talking to a therapist for one Mm. Um, which I know is really hard for a lot of people Mm. to do. Um, You know, I grew up 
being thrown in the faces of therapists, you know, forcibly by my family, my school. Um, and I never really clicked with a therapist. I felt like I could trust a therapist because my trust was broken growing up. But um, so it was really hard for me to take that sort of step. Mm. Um, but I did for the sake of others because, you know, um, it is important to realise that there is help out there. Yeah. And no one's too cool to receive it. Can we talk a little bit more about the stereotypes that you're breaking down, Maddie? Because I know that you are, you know, really making waves with this sort of work and I, you know, I love watching it. (laughs) I really do. And, yeah, can you have a bit of a chat about how you came to a place of accepting who you are and breaking down the, the stereotypes and stigma around some of the things that, you know, happen in your life? Yeah. Um, it's so funny because I actually took out the last part of me that about like the made me care what people thought mm. was I had hair extensions mm. and it's so stupid. and <laughs> It's so true. I had hair extensions because that was that was my last reflection of me caring what people thought of me yeah. because I yeah. live in a society where there's not a lot of androgynous, um, you know, people who play with gender or hate gender and mm-hmm. like I do, like, you know, so I was constantly, oh, and I guess as well, because I was dating someone who was in the media, mm-hmm. I didn't want people to be mean to me mm-hmm. if I wanted to just be like a, social um you know expectation or society's expectation of what hot was mm-hmm. um and you know i wanted you to be liked by men and women and everyone and because mm-hmm. i didn't want to get bullied i was scared yeah. it was crazy i remember because i remember um you know when tush was coming off the show there was like facebook groups about maps and then there was like this one and it was just all the boomers and they were cruel as fuck like then mm-hmm. i was getting called like what is that is that a shim? Is that a this? But I think a lot of people questioned my gender because I hold such masculine energy and I was hiding, trying to cover myself with feminine stuff that I didn't really like or have interest in for the sake of others to not put me in a box. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm like, can I, can I be like a chick that's like a through and through guy? Um mm-hmm you know, on the inside and just wants to not wear makeup and have shaggy hair and mm. wear baggy jeans and singlets. Can I be that and be accepted in my society or, mm. and on the media or do I have to, you know, fit into like a more feminine category? Like I didn't know where to fit in without, so I didn't get slandered. Then when I pulled my hair out, I, that was like the last part of me that was like, you know what? Fuck it. Mm. I'm out. I'm done. i I'm openly now going to be like, this is who I am. Mm. This is the last fucks I give. It's attached to my hair. And now it's on the ground. And that was it. And it was so crazy because I, um, it was so sentimental, really. It was like, there you are. Mm. Like, don't ever fucking let people tell you who you are or have to be ever again or make people make you feel that way. Mm. Um, And a lot of people started going, I back you. I think you're great. Thank you. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, yep, sweet. And then I was like, this is, I guess, I felt the power within me because I was like, I'm masculine in a lot of trades, you know, um, as far as wanting to be strong and 
lacking outdoorsy stuff, which, you know, shouldn't really typically be called masculine traits anymore. But mm-hmm. I like that more ruggedy outdoors vibe. And But then I like to get my nails painted. Mm-hmm. And I, I love getting my eyelashes done mm-hmm. and I love myself grooming. So I was like, I don't have to be fucking anyone for any of anyone in particular. Exactly. Because I wear a lot of dresses and stuff. And then if I um, wear jeans and boots and things, people are like, are you dressing like that for a reason? Or why have you started dressing like that? And it's just, and it's not them even, so many times people aren't trying to be offensive, but it's like, oh, can you not see that you've been conditioned to need the safety of putting someone in a category of dress wearer or jeans wearer or masculine or feminine or male or female? Like, can you see that that's happening? And how about you just sit with that discomfort of, hey, maybe she's anything and everything and that's okay too. Yeah, I think, yeah, um, it's how you react to people who make you feel that way, that you need to be categorised mm-hmm. is the most powerful moment. Um, you know, I've been labelled as, oh, this is my gay friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and people don't understand that they're being really offensive um, when they do that because I'm not your gay friend. I'm your friend who happens to be gay. There's so many other variables about me. Why that? Yeah. And yeah. I think that just shows comfort within those people. You were so mm-hmm. right. And I just let go of that expectation. And I was like, you know, I just want to be my own trend. Mm-hmm. I don't, and I don't want it to be anything. Um, aesthetically it's Mm -hmm. the confidence to do whatever the fuck I want and that is a trend in itself and I got I was like super into that like my favorite part of every day is getting dressed if I have somewhere to go if I leave my house but I'm like (laughs) I love getting dressed and I love that I can look and wear a boy's pants a crop top and no makeup and a hat and yeah you know and have people look at me and sometimes I get looks on the street that are like from backwards people they're like then I get other people that you know work in stores like I like what you're wearing I'm like it's because I'm confident in what I'm wearing it's not even what I'm fucking wearing yeah it's just like I'm confident because I I've I know who I am like I know where I stand and I don't really give a fuck about anyone in that aspect and it's art too like this podcast is called create your life and what you're saying here that day that you get up and you choose the clothes that you want because you feel good in them not because you've been told to wear them you're creating your life like that is Mm -hmm. you creating something for yourself and that's where you have the resources you have the clothes and you have the privilege to choose so why don't you you know and you're doing it and what I hear like thank you so much for taking us through your life story because what I hear is just someone building themselves and themselves a really solid foundation which is really cool to hear and it gives you that that solid foundation really gives you the freedom to be like I'm here I'm queer and I'm (laughs) wearing whatever the fuck I want because that it's like when we start to work on ourselves and really build ourselves from the ground up again it's like a really strong willow that then has like the freedom to flow and choose how they want to live. And it's so liberating. Like you said, like, yeah. what do I want to wear today? Yeah, it's cool. I, I think it's, um, that's my message. It's more important for people to understand who that it's too late for them to turn their life around or be who they want to be, or they're hiding behind fear of judge through judgment of others. Mm. Um, I, I'm so blessed that I have people who can watch me and be like, fuck it. It's not too late for me. Mm. I'm going to stop hiding behind that wall of fear. 
I don't, I don't care if people judge me. I want to call out people who judge me, um, you know, and regain their power back. And that's all I want to achieve by telling my story is going, you know, couldn't have gotten much fucking worse than that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Here I am. And so, you know, yeah, it's, it, you can't understand trauma is hard to live through um, and deal with. And a lot of people don't have like a a good family like I did to help them. Mm. But then again, I didn't for a long time. And it was, I was very isolated having to deal with things on my own. Mm. So I think it's important that people really have an understanding not to give up. Mm. It's about giving up. It's about making sure that you don't. Mm. I love that. Can you uh, have a chat to us about your um, (laughs) wonderful project, Facts, and, yeah, tell us a little bit more about the story behind that. And, yeah, I really would love to have a look at how it's connecting people as well because I think that that's a big part of what is going on with your brand. I'm a stylist, so, like, by trade, Um, and... I start to think, you know, what do we, what do we really lack in the world? And you look through um, people and you look down in fashion and what, who are the icons that people still remember? Mm. And you think of things like Mick Jagger because he was in touch with his feminine energy, mm. um, you know? And I thought, when the fuck did we build a society where mental health stigmas existed and we had to fit in a box of gender? I hate that. Like, and it made me, cause I'm like, I find femininity in men incredibly sexy. Mm. You know, I'm through, I'm physically attracted to gay men. Mm. I have this thing where I love feminine men. I just find them so I'm overwhelmingly sexy. Mm. And then I started thinking about women and what, how I like, and when I feel my sexiest is when I'm being masculine. And I'm like, why do we have this fucking stereotype? Like, you know, and I think when I thought about, I just want to start putting the things that matter to me on t-shirts and see how I go. Got a group of people that I didn't see that was everywhere. You know, you see the same models in every fucking brand at the moment and on every campaign, the same people. I'm like, I really want to bring awareness and create queer content. That's fucking cool. Yeah. And I was like, I love this, that I've created this. This makes yeah. me happy. And the reaction it got was epic and I think um people were just like fuck yeah like I love this this is like real boundary rule breaky kind of like yeah I'm on board type of thing and then when I brought in my um my jumpers um and I renamed borderline personality disorder as a hopeless romantic Mm -hmm. it gave so many people like a, a new diagnosis and I think um, I really back it, you know, and that really reflects um, and translates on online. It's like, I really back this, guys. Like, this is, you know, I'm not, I'm going to see you and go, thanks. Like, I'm like, this is so sick. Like, um, you know, and I want to be really um, inclusive to people and as many people as I can get involved. And, you know, I don't want to just like have, you know, model type unrealistic standards wearing my shit you know, and putting that all over my platforms because that's not what, that's not my market. That's, I don't even find that attractive. Yeah. I don't make, that makes garments look attractive. No. So it's really cool that I can really, um, yeah. Um, it is really cool. Yeah. Really cool. You've done a great thing. 
yeah, I'm really stoked. Um, you know, I, I hope for bigger and better when I can really, um, make moves after COVID. It's really hard to start actually bringing garments to life at this stage because of the climate. But, you know, I, I just want to create a really unisex environment and a really unisex line. Honestly, Maddie, thank you so much for having this chat. I knew through and through the the way that you would come at a conversation like this and I can just see the way that you show up so bravely and so truly and that is what I'm trying to show people we can do. You know, there is, if we have the safety to do that, it's time to poke your head out of the um, the cave and you know, really start playing to your strengths and your, your beautiful, unique self. So I just want to thank you so much for coming oh, on chatting stop. with me. Thank you. Today. I'm, um, I'm so relieved that people like you exist in the world doing this type of thing. Oh. You know, it's so important. It's um, going to save the lives of so many people after, especially this year. Well, that's what thank- it is. Sometimes it's life-saving. Yeah. So thank yourself. Like you are making a massive difference. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we just had a moment. <laughs> <laughs> just before I head off, Maddie, I might just get you to let people know how they can follow along with facts or your, um, your own journey on, uh, Instagram or just any socials in general, because I think that facts is going to be a brand that people will want to check out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you want to follow um, my brand, um, you know, it's Instagram, it's facts underscore the letter R underscore facts, but facts spelled F-A-X. Um, and I'm actually pretzel underscore on Instagram. <laughs> if you wish to follow me, I do a lot of um, stupid shit online, but it's all good. It's all good fun. Um, you'll it's see that through. Cool. My Q and A's are my favorite thing. I love. <laughs> I just have like people just want to offload, and I'm so here for it. Um, yeah. So yeah. So definitely find me on those pages if you are curious to um, follow my journey. And yeah, fingers crossed that facts. Um, yeah, can I can bring to light, or then especially into life, like what I have in my brain. That's the goal. Exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. What a beautiful vision. Just yeah. get this real good shit out of your mind onto a shirt. Absolutely. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Maddie. It was good to, so good to speak to you and I hope it's not too long before we can chat again. What's cool is I get to watch your brand evolve um, yeah. as you break down even more barriers. Totally. We'll do this more, more yeah. and more and more. <laughs> Definitely. All right. See you, Maddie. Thank you. Bye.